CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey, everybody. What you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J-E-F-F. M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, U-E-L-P-I-A-N-I-S-T dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. Hey, everybody, we're back. We're going to try and reach out to Lisa Solomon right now. Lisa Solomon of the Chicago Reader in our Cannabis Conversations. Oh, looks like we got her. Lisa, are you there? I'm here. All right. Lisa Solomon from the Chicago Reader comes on every other week. It's a very popular feature in this show, Cannabis Conversation. We talk all things cannabis. And Lisa, one thing she's taught me during these conversations is not to call it reefer. And so I've been very good, Lisa. Every week I get even better at talking about uh, calling it cannabis. <laughs> so we, uh, before we bring Kirsten on to talk about the issues of the day with her, uh, I think you have a few messages, some, a few things you want to say. Yeah, I've got a few things to say about the reader. First of all, I want to thank the hundreds of people that have stepped up to support the reader during these challenging times. The reader is in good shape to make it through, thanks to all of our wonderful supporters. Uh, if you go to chicagoreader.com backslash donate, you can make a contribution. And our publisher, who is very creative, and the team came up with this really unique fundraiser. It's called the Coloring Book Fundraiser. So there was a call put out to artists in Chicago and over 50 artists submitted drawings to create this special edition coloring book for the reader. Some of the artists passed covers for the reader. Some of the artists had never submitted art to the reader before. So you can download it for a $30 donation or get a hard copy for 45. There are package deals to buy it for your friends. That's chicagoreader.com backslash coloring book. So check those out. Um, again, thanks to everyone who's already supported us, and we're looking forward to the day when all the um, all the theaters and concert venues and restaurants can put their ads back in the paper. We're hoping that's 
sooner rather than later. So one other thing from your earlier segments, you were talking about how the 606 was shut down because it was so crowded. Mm-hmm. You know, they did the same thing in LA with their trails, but for anyone old enough to remember the gas shortages and the gas rationing in the seventies, do you remember they had like odd and even days? Maybe the city can figure out a way to designate by the, um, how the letter that your name starts with, you can go out Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. People are going to get stir crazy. It's going to be gorgeous next week. We need to keep our distance, but maybe there's a creative way to do that. Well, since we're giving okay. advice to... Uh, on to well, I was going to say, since we're giving advice to Lori Lightfoot on that uh, front, maybe just ban cars uh, in the parks. Uh, I know from personal experience... I don't know about the 606. I've actually never been on the 606. That's a confession, Lisa. But uh, I use the lakefront parks all the time. If you ban cars in the parks, that will severely limit the number of people who go there because people are too lazy to walk or ride their bikes. All right. Anyway, uh, move on to the second thing. Well, interesting point. Mm -hmm. Manhattan was going to shut down some streets to cars so people could walk in the street with appropriate distance. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. On to cannabis now. A huge shout out to Toy Hutchinson, the Illinois Cannabis Regulation Oversight Officer and her team. With COVID-19, they worked so quickly to approve curbside pickup for medical patients and they came up with a set of guidelines and most dispensaries are doing that to limit the exposure that people, many of whom have a compromised immune system, can use to get their medicine. So thank you for that. And some other exciting news, Illinois House Bill 5472, sponsored by Representative Sonia Harper, is a public consumption bill. It's been through um, some of the steps in the House. It's sitting with the House Judiciary Committee. No idea how long it's going to take in light of COVID-19 changes, but this bill has some exciting things. One, any hotel that has designated smoking rooms that have the special ventilation systems to get the air outside and not recirculate other hotel guests. If this passes, we'll be allowed to designate up to 25% of the total rooms in their hotel as rooms in which cannabis can be smoked. They may need to get a permit. I'm not sure it was a difficult bill to get through. The other thing is private venues. Um, Private venues that have a properly ventilated space, whether that be a rooftop or an outdoor patio block from public view or an inside room with ventilation like cigar lounges and some smoke shops have, they will be able to apply for some special event permits to have events there where people are allowed to smoke cannabis. So that, you know, can really change things. And all right. Now uh, I will introduce our guests after one last thing in light of COVID-19, it attacks the lungs. They say, if you're a smoker, you are in, more danger. You're at higher risk. So if you can get your cannabis through a different route, whether it be a tincture or edible or balm, please consider doing that during this time. If inhalation is the method that you need, tune in next Friday. We're going to have an expert on on the various methods of inhalation who can talk to you about how to minimize the risk associated with that. And now I want to introduce Kirsten Valesco. Kirsten has been in the cannabis industry in Illinois uh, for a number of years. I think it's about six years now. She can correct me if I'm wrong. She is 
on the board of the Illinois Women in Cannabis, which is a nonprofit industry organization and is the outreach manager of the medical cannabis community. So she provides education, executes networking events, and creates opportunities for community building. And with that, Kirsten, why don't you say hello to our audience? Hi, you guys. Thanks for having me on. I always like to talk about cannabis. All right. Always like always to. a compelling topic. Before we take the deep dive and I start asking all the questions, uh, Kirsten, about uh, what people can do to try to keep their sanity if cannabis will help during these really trying times. You had a deadline of your own you had to uh, make. Did you finish it, the movie that you were making? Well, I made the video. I got to satisfactorily, but now it's taking a long time for that to upload to Drive. So I haven't handed in the homework yet. Oh, so no. I'll get past that. And thanks for asking. Uh- all right. Well, I, I I made this video for DePaul University because I think they're trying to put together as quickly as possible a lot of online learning uh, curriculum. So I was really happy to be invited to offer a little bit of cannabis marketing expertise in a TED Talk type video. All right. Well, we'll... you're ahead of me. I have to do mine tonight and get it loaded tomorrow. <laughs> uh, Kirsten, first of all, just talk a little bit about uh, what the, your organization. Uh, Illinois Women in uh, Cannabis. What's that all about? Okay, Illinois Women in Cannabis has primarily provided networking events in the Chicagoland area mostly and a little bit of networking events in the outer lying Illinois area. And this is an opportunity for people to come to these events, find out how they can sharpen their expertise and their skills fit into joining the cannabis industry professionally and are focusing on giving women those opportunities because they do make most of the healthcare decisions in the home and we don't want to have less than 50% representation of women in the industry. So Illinois Women in Cannabis has been really successful. It's definitely the most well-known cannabis not-for-profit in Illinois. Then the other organization that I do collaborate with is the medical cannabis community. And it started off as a Facebook group group, and it has expanded to several states. In Illinois, we have over 18,000 monthly active members. It's just a phenomenal way to, from the privacy of your own home, get your questions answered about how you can access cannabis and utilize it. And now we have a dedicated website that's the same thing and it helps people access a list of doctors on a directory. Um, And there was one thing, Lisa, that you spurred me to think of is that it was announced recently that people will be able to get their certification from a physician while they're applying for a medical cannabis card via telemed. And you had a couple of physicians who have started that off, but now the person doesn't have to physically go into the doctor's office, which is a great relief, regardless of the uh, coronavirus. It's sometimes really hard for people physically to get in and out of the doctor's office and to be able to meet that state requirement of establishing that bona fide relationship. So, Uh, Believe it or not, we've been able to scratch a few benefits and silver linings out of this situation already. All right. Now, the first question. Yes, thank you for mentioning that. The the first question that uh, that most people ask me, uh, uh, Kirsten, when 
uh, since the coronavirus uh, quarantine hit is, is there cannabis available? Legal cannabis, that is. Uh, is it available? And if so, how much of it is there? Is there, is there a wait? Is there a delay? Talk about that. Uh, I do feel like the inventories have been low. Uh, it's, I haven't heard anybody saying they're completely out. They're not shutting down sales to adult users. Um, the medical cannabis does get prioritization, meaning those people who have those medical cannabis cards do have a separate inventory that's supposed to be prioritized for them. I have not heard of any Wait, there was Green Gate shut down purchases, I believe, entirely. Um, that may have been temporary. There may have been a few dispensaries that were like, we're going to stop servicing adult use altogether. But overall, most of the dispensaries have stayed open as normal, except for with the accommodation of doing the extra cleaning and letting patients come up to the curb for their uh, purchases so they can avoid that public contact by going in. So, so far, so good. We feel like a lot of people tried to stock up there before this happened, and maybe they're staying away from the dispensary for a little pause right now. Uh, or uh, there's also the other thing, like uh, when when people, the warnings first came down that you had to stay in your house, people are suddenly rushing to the stores to stock up on cleansing goods, toilet paper, milk, et cetera, coffee. So I was just wondering if the same thing were happening where people were hoarding is there any sense that that's going on? Uh, I, I know I did. That. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was told yeah. two weeks ago, that Friday, uh -huh. that it rivaled January 1 in terms of the crowds at the dispensaries. The managers said they were just were not expecting it to be as crazy as it was. So, yes, Kirsten's right. There was a run on product. I'm actually hearing that most of the city of Chicago dispensaries have stopped adult use sales there are um i've heard of one in the city that's doing it very limited hours i've heard of a couple in outlying counties but i think most have stopped due to a reduction in the amount they have on hand and just to keep patients safe all right now kirsten this leads me to the next question i had what lisa was talking about when we're in the middle of a coronavirus scare when people have been ordered to work at home or told that they don't have a job at all, uh, when the mayor is closing the parks uh, because there's too many people violating social networking protocols, uh, when we're living in these dire times, I can't see a distinction between recreational marijuana and medical marijuana or medical cannabis. I don't see a distinction. I think we need... If, if this is your method of dealing with the madness of the world, everybody uh, is, should be eligible for uh, medical cannabis. What's your thoughts on this, Kirsten? I couldn't agree more. I, I feel like uh, you've really struck a chord with me by having this realization. And when I go do my programs, I give a lot of educational programs to the public at libraries. And I say that recreational cannabis, you know, people think of it as watching a movie, eating a pizza, giggling a lot and going to sleep. Um, <laughs> and they try to divide, exactly. They try to divide that away from the medical use. Well, even in the industry, when people would have arguments about what constitutes recreational use, we've just decided we're no longer going to say that there is a division point 
between medical and recreational because we know how important mental health is. And I know from my use, I've been using uh, consuming cannabis off and on since 1978. And specifically when I had little babies at the house, man, they make your frustration as ragged. You're just so on edge when you're trying to control a jumping monkey and get things done. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I noticed. I, as soon as I could have a quick and convenient inhalation of cannabis, I was like, wow, this really doesn't matter. Yeah. Check your ego, Kirsten. Your child is important. Get through the day and we'll start again tomorrow. So when you apply that to this stressful situation, everyone is adapting to these new routines. Just that sets people on edge having to change their life. So I really can't think of a better time to incorporate cannabis consuming um, in any situation. It just is such a relief to know that's there for you to take the edge off. And again, when we are able to uh, calm down, lift our spirits, laugh a little bit, that is great for our mental health. We can call it recreational or adult use saying, hey, we don't have any mental problems or any physical problems. We just like to relax. All right, say what you want to say, but I still consider it uh, health, a health usage. So, all right, you talk about, it's pretty funny about the jumping monkeys. That was a, a very funny reference to a little kid at home, a jumping monkey. All right, uh, so when you talk about t- taking a little uh, relief, uh, it's uh, mother's little helper, if you will, to use that old Rolling Stone song. Uh, how, what, what's your advice to people who are worried about taking a little too much relief and then they can't do anything? How have you learned over the years, Kirsten, to balance relief from just being overwhelmed? Well, as they say, it's all in the dose. And we have a lot of approaches with cannabis. You know, uh, when people first consider cannabis, as a therapy, they're like, well, I don't want to be stoned. And this is uh, ironically one of people's major concerns. So fortunately, we have a lot of different formulations, a lot, a lot of different cannabinoid and terpene uh, profiles that we can choose from. And I noticed as the years went by over my cannabis consuming, I felt like, wow, this has gotten a lot stronger. So as the years went by, the evolution, or even we could call it a plant mutation, was that these plants were got higher and higher in their content of THC. Mm-hmm. Well, come to find out, I was getting some anxiety relief from the CBD, which used to be more high uh, volume in older cannabis strains, you know, from years ago. So that kind of has enlightened us to know that, hey, CBD, this is a different cannabinoid than we're typically familiar with, with THC being the cannabinoid that causes the high. But I really like the combination of both. I feel like CBD uh, handles and lowers anxiety and stress, and the THC is an antidepressant. So depending on each person's unique situation, they're going to choose that cannabis that has a proper combination of cannabinoids. And then again, back to the dose. If it's a higher concentration product, one inhalation might be all you need. A, a five milligram edible might be all that you need. And that's just enough to take the edge off and help you function better mm-hmm. than what you would imagine 
getting high and getting spaced out and not being able to get your work done. So it really is a great opportunity that you're giving people listening is to say, wow, we can actually really make adjustments and customizations that'll help you get what you're looking for out of that cannabis dose. Now, when you say take the edge off, uh, does that require uh, constantly taking the edge off? Or do you, once if you do it once, are you good for the day? Do you understand the question I'm asking? Uh, it's, it's a great, great question because it really depends on your method of consumption. I really do like inhalation. You get a quick response. You're able to tell after about 90 seconds or to about three minutes what your effects are because it affects right away but the effects typically with an inhalation will only last maybe two to three hours so you might have to go back regularly across the time of the day there are people who really do enjoy edibles now it might take a little bit longer hour and a half to two hours to feel the effects of the edible but they have a softer onset and more sustained effects so I like to show this hypothetical customization of, hey, if I really am having trouble sleeping, before I go to bed, I'm going to take an edible and do an inhalation at the same time. So the inhalation gives me immediate relief. I get off to sleep. And then after about an hour and a half, then that edible kicks in and might give me four to six more hours of sleep. So see how you can, as a person, assess your situation, decide, do you want quick, immediate relief? Or you're like, nope, I need something that's going to last me four to six hours so I don't have to come back here and medicate, medicate again right away. All right. Now let's talk about inhalation. Right, Go ahead. I was like, what Kristen just talked about in terms of the mix of inhalation and edibles, mm -hmm. there are people who the edibles don't hit them for two to three hours. So like she's saying, they will use the inhalation method to get that effect they need. And at bedtime, they might also have an edible, which they know will kick in once they are asleep and help them sleep through the night. Yeah, that's uh, uh, combining both methods for the best advantage. Uh, Kirsten, talk about inhalation in the age of the coronavirus. Lisa alluded to the fact we're going to have a guest on doing a greater, a deeper dive into this next week. But let's talk about it right now. Are, do you have concerns about inhaling at this very moment when we have a, a disease that attacks the respiratory system? Absolutely. I, I, if people want to err on the side of caution, I am all about that. I'm, I'm all about supporting that more conservative approach. Uh, we do have ways to inhale. When we inhale a product that is an oil that's been extracted from the plant, so the plant material has been removed, and then we consume it in a pattern called a method called vaporization or vaping, you may have heard of it, that makes the temperature so much lower that it can be a lot less irritating to the lungs. So even though we have that alternate option, there are some people who are like, my parents taught me not to smoke. There's just no way I'm going to use that method of inhalation. That is perfectly fine. There are a lot of other options. And you can, of course, instead of relying solely on cannabis, you can incorporate other methods of reducing stress. And even the, the ritual of consuming cannabis, of going through your routine, actually can trigger the lowering of stress, 
deep inhalations, relaxation, a bath, you know, make it a big compliment to the other strategies that you would use to manage your stress. You talk Does that answer the question? Uh, yes, it, uh, it, it does answer. I, I probably, well, uh, I'm one of those people that just cannot inhale anything. I'm like Bill Clinton. I did not inhale. And uh, <laughs> uh, I just, just smoke itself uh, is such a turnoff to me. I just can't imagine, and particularly now, because I've got these paranoids about, you know, being infected all the time. I don't know if you have those, Kirsten. Uh, I don't know if uh, cannabis can help with this one. Have you ever had that moment, particularly since this virus panic has t- kicked in, uh, Kirsten, where all of a sudden you're like, is that a sore throat? Do I have a sore throat? Oh, my God, I have a sore throat. And you're like, you're like imagining that you have a sore throat and I keep swallowing water and gargling and testing to see if I have a sore throat. Am I just hot because I'm wearing a sweatshirt when I shouldn't be wearing a sweatshirt or is this the start of a fever? Are you dealing with that or am I just the only one out there with those kind of uh, version of hypochondria? Yeah. Every time I sneeze, every time anybody in the house sneezes, then I pause and I'm like, wait, what's happening? Could this be it? (laughs) <laughs> well, I've been holed up in my house since about March 13th. So I have been isolated enough that I think that if I was infected, I would have manifested those symptoms by now. So I have been able to coax myself down a little bit. But yeah, uh, it can, again, in the right dosage, help to divert your mind, help you to focus on something else, watch a good movie, read a good book. There's so many things that people are now letting themselves indulge in crafting and and reading books, all these little cleaning projects that they would really like to do. So, yeah, I got to be honest with you, even though I consider myself an aficionado and a great fan of cannabis consumption, I'm still having those moments of being a little bit paranoid about whether we're going to get hit with that coronavirus. Well, I got to so tell don't, don't 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 worry and if your cannabis helps you not to worry then god bless it jump on it well let's talk about that we've had had this conversation at least in those uh, where i'm going with this because i've had this conversation many times for many people cannabis uh inflames their paranoia for some people it it inflames their paranoia so if you're at a moment where you're really worried that every little cough is an indication that you're you're succumbing to the virus. If every time you're worried that that little scratchiness in your throat means it's the first stage toward a full-blown uh, sore throat, <laughs> uh, what can you do with your cannabis intake to minimize exacerbating the paranoia? Well, um, I'm not going to give anybody any specific dosing advice, but I got to be honest with you, leaning on CBD-based products, sometimes called hemp oil, those CBD-based products are pretty well known for reducing anxiety, and they're readily available. You don't even have to leave the house. You can actually order them online because those CBD-based products meet this weird prohibition standard of being less than 0.3% THC. They're available at uh, health food stores and CVS and Walgreens. So I really like that option of being able to introduce yourself to cannabis as medicine 
while leaning on these CBD only products and seeing how well over a long term, you know, sometimes most people say that they need to take CBD like a vitamin so it builds up in the system and then they see that uh, effect of just really good anxiety management, maybe a little bit of improvement in sleep, less pain in arthritic knuckles or old injuries. So it's really nice that we do have those CBD products only available uh, without having to go through that uh, bureaucratic process of getting a medical cannabis card and immediately going out and accessing a dispensary in person. So there's a lot of wonderful strategies out there. Kirsten, you mentioned that you have... Wait, can I... Yeah, go ahead. I just have a couple things to say about that. Yes, CBD works well for a lot of people. And as Kirsten said, it is available for sale at a lot of different places. When you buy it, make sure it's a company that has something called a COA, Certificate of... Kirsten, what's the A for? I think authenticity, but uh, you want to look for independent lab testing by right. third-party companies. You want to make sure it's clean from pesticides and heavy metals. So most health food stores and pharmacies, I would assume they've checked that, but do your due diligence, go on and check it. And while CBD works for most people, some people get the opposite effect. So some people may not do well with it. A lot of people use CBD, for example, for ADD. I know someone who's in the industry and said he actually gets very agitated and aggressive with just CBD. He needs some THC in it. So listen to your body and really just follow what it's doing. If it's helping you, keep with it. And as Kirsten said, it may take a while to, to help. A lot of times people expect immediate results, but often it can take one to two weeks for a real noticeable difference. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate you saying that about the analyzing and making sure that it is from a reputable source to make sure that it's clean because those CBD products are not FDA regulated. And I loved what you said about, hey, monitor your own response to it. And that's one of the things about not giving specific dosing protocols is because our body is set up uniquely. Uh, it it's, uh, has a much more complex uniqueness than let's say our own fingerprint. So each person does need to at least from a entry level examine how they respond to different ratios or combinations of CBD and THC. And that will really inform them of what works best for their unique symptoms and management desires. Uh, to go back to what we uh, started talking about at the outset, Kirsten, uh, the difference between uh, recreational use and medical use, uh, what are some of the arguments that a patient could make uh, to advance uh, his or her effort to get uh, approved for uh, cannabis as a medical uh, help? Is there, can you use the coronavirus as a reason uh, to get medical approval? Uh, no, that is definitely in our Illinois program is not a route by which to gain access to our medical program. Uh, each state has its own protocols and policies and procedures for getting access to the medical program. And I'm really happy with uh, the expansion. I mean, we've grown to deal with so much bureaucracy and things that take a really long time. So I'm really delighted that our program has expanded its list of qualifying conditions to include autism, 
um, to include chronic pain. So it has gotten a lot easier to access our medical cannabis program. But a lot of people will start off, even though they have issues that they're curious about treating because they've heard other people have success, it's nice for them as adults to be able to go into a dispensary with their identification government issued with a birth date and a photograph. They can go in there and make a couple basic purchases. And what happened is if they start seeing wonderful success with those products and they start enjoying it, they're going to get tired of paying, you know, close to a 35% tax rate on that. And they're going to soon realize that if they can access our medical program, instead of paying that 35 to 40% on their purchases, they're going to end up paying one to 2%. And uh, Lisa, you can back me up if you've been in a dispensary. It's really easy to spend $100 at a dispensary. So imagine that being $102 with tax or $140 with tax. Mm. So you can see that um, what will happen over the long haul, and it just takes a really long time, is that so many people have positive experiences. And if they happen to be willing and courageous enough and comfortable enough to share their stories with friends and the media, and, and healthcare professionals, that breaks down the barriers. It's, you know, we have decades and over 26,000 studies cataloged at PubMed.gov, and that, all of that has not advanced our access to and our acceptance of cannabis like the personal stories have. There's nothing like seeing someone's life completely changed after they've been through all kinds of pharmaceuticals and diseases and surgeries. And uh, hopefully, you know, we'll be able to pour a lot of efforts into those stories and expanding that awareness. And that's what's really going to affect and change the legislative process. And even just people's hangups, because really you can change a law, but that doesn't change people's minds. Mm-hmm. So having more and more people, even if it's right now, if this is what spurs you to try cannabis and then to tell your friends about your success, those things, that's why I focus so much on the advocacy is because that's what has made the biggest impact so far for us to get getting where we are. And Kirsten, I, I, this is a point of every interview we do for, in cannabis conversations. Uh, Lisa knows this one's coming as well, where I point out that it's still illegal on the federal level. Yes, we have recreational marijuana in the state of Illinois. Yes, we have medical marijuana in the state of Illinois, or cannabis, excuse me, Lisa. But uh, it's still illegal on the federal level. And sometimes, Kirsten, it's really hard for me to deal with the contradictory ways that our federal officials discuss uh, depression uh, and uh, the mental well-being. Follow me on this. So in uh, making the argument that it could be uh, better for the United States to open up the economy uh, sooner rather than later, uh, Donald Trump and many other of his allies have said that, well, we'll just substitute one disease with another disease. In other words, people will be dep- the disease of coronavirus will be substituted with the disease of mental depression of because you're out of work and people will start drinking more or people will contemplate suicide. So suicide rates could go up. Have you heard this argument, Kirsten? 
And they're, they're oh yeah, I've I've heard that argument. I've I've heard all of the arguments. Uh, these are all obviously coming out of the mouths of poorly informed people. Which you know, just bringing up the subject, you're throwing gas on my fire over here, and you cannot make those claims or push forward those hypothetical risks if you have any information about cannabis. It is really sad to see those people who are simply attached to the propaganda. They are poorly informed and they have convinced themselves there's nothing else they need to know about it. And it is just unfathomable. I mean, never underestimate the power of denial. I mean, how in the world have we gotten this far with 11 states providing adult access, 34 states expanding licensing for growing hemp, uh, all of this 33 states that provide medical programs. We never could have gotten this far legislatively if any of those re risks were an actual hypothetical uh, statistical risk. It's just impossible. And, uh, you know, it, I, I shake my head because it just there is absolutely no scientific rationale for preventing the advancement. It's just people who are like, yeah, it's a grind. We don't want to do it. Change is transitional. We were talking earlier about the stress of making these adjustments to staying home. Mm -hmm. I call it transitional, meaning that when people contemplate how much work it'll be or how embarrassing it will be to have to face this situation, I call it transitional, meaning it will be rough. It will be uncomfortable while we make the changes but we certainly won't regret it when we get there. And we've never, we made a mistake. It was a horrible, apocalyptic effect on seeing community and banning implemented. So the federal government is willfully denying access to cannabis, banking services, interstate commerce. Uh, they're denying these companies their standard uh business expense tax deductions it's it's a uh, it's ridiculous i could go on and on yeah I you got me ranting got, you got me ranting no no it's all good because uh, i'll say this in closing uh i know that reader writers myself mick dumkey uh many others really worked hard writing stories that uh helped contribute let's put it that way uh, lisa to uh, the situation we have in Illinois where it's legal. And I just think that we have to continue that effort to make it legal at a federal level for many different reasons, not a, not the least of which is that people are still being unfairly punished uh, by, because it's illegal on the federal level and it just impedes the ability of the states uh, to have an industry where they can't, where you can't get the banking that you need, et cetera, and so forth. So this is very much a struggle I believe in, and we will continue, at least on this show, uh, to every interview we do, Lisa Solomon, I'm going to come back to the fact, by the way, yeah, it's legal in Illinois, but did you know it's illegal on the federal level as well? And we can't truly enjoy the freedom we have uh, to smoke or uh, have an edible while it's illegal on the federal level. Yeah, thank you for reiterating that, Ben.
All right. Uh, we have to move on. I want to thank you very much, uh, Kirsten Velasco, Velasco and from uh, Illinois Women in Cannabis for coming on. I appreciate uh, you taking the time in the middle of your project that you have to finish for, for DePaul. So get back to work. Uh, Kirsten on that one and uh, thank you very very much for coming on Lisa Solomon it's always a blast talking to you from the Chicago Reader our cannabis expert also want to thank Miles Camp Lawson from In These Times did a great job as he always does every Thursday and of course the man the myth the legend the pride and joy of Alton Illinois we wouldn't do we couldn't do this show without him and as Lisa Solomon can tell you back home in Alton they call him White Lightning give yourself a raise take it out of petty cash see you tomorrow everybody And remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows. What's so funny? I was waiting for the... And Benny J bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Downloaders, we live stream this program. It's pretty awesome. Check it out sometime. Tuesdays through Fridays, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time. Here are some awkward moments that I edit out of the download. <laughs> It's like our bonus features, huh? It's pretty cool. Oh my god. It's crazy. This is awkward. Maybe I'll keep this on there. Who knows? We'll see you tomorrow. Play the radio. Make sure the television, the, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone, make sure the kids hear words. That's correct.